Corn. Hi, I'm Deanne Fitzpatrick, and this is my podcast, Create Beauty Every Day, brought to you by Deanne Fitzpatrick Studio at, at hookingrugs.com. And today I'm really happy uh, to get to speak to someone who's been really helpful and good to me, and her name is Aruna Kujarash. I thought I had it. Kunarash. Aruna Kunaraj, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, you got it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Aruna. And Aruna um, is uh, has Buku. And Aruna, why don't you tell us about Buku, what Buku is? Well, Buku was sort of started by my husband and I, John, and it was a way of, you know, sort of bringing in art in a more utilitarian way. So we both have a background in fine arts and um, John did painting and I did sculpture. And so we wanted to kind of make work that had those elements, but more sort of on a utilitarian level so that they can be enjoyed for the everyday. Um, And so that's sort of how it all kind of started. And then it's, it's kind of, um, kind of grown into, you know, something completely, um, like that I would never have imagined like 20 years ago. So um, it, it sort of showcases my interest in textiles and his interest in, in wood and furniture making. And so I feel like it's a really nice pairing of both of our um, interests. And, um, and so the one thing that we always try to express in the work is handmade. So okay. We don't have our work, you know, mass produced. And so a lot of the stuff that we sell was pretty, it's pretty much made by our hands. And so that's kind of been an important element in our work was to kind of um, keep it studio based. And um, I mean, there are times where things get really busy and and I wish that things were like mass produced. Um, So I would have to make hundreds of them. But, you know, the core of it is that we both really enjoy making. Yes, me too. I think that that's really the core of it is that we really enjoy the process of it. And so um, it's hard not to be, you know, uh, a part of each, each piece. Did you, did you know, right from, you say you started about 20 years ago, right after, was it right after school? No, there was probably a a bit of a break. I mean, I did, um, I did a lot of teaching Mm -hmm. before I um, started doing the business. I mean, I did the business part-time while I was teaching, but we didn't do it full on until like probably, yeah, like 15, 16 years ago, um, really do it full time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we both had jobs. We both, um, we met at the Art Gallery of Ontario. So we both worked there and, um, and I did a lot of teaching like in university and colleges. And, um, and then I just started to kind of realize that I was giving so much of my energy to the students. Mm-hmm. And I thought that, you know, working like part-time teaching I could go back to the studio and like spend all these hours working but then at the end of your teaching session you're completely drained and so it was so hard to kind of concentrate on making and so um you know we made the hard decision to say let's just go for it I mean we're not getting any younger so why don't we just do this full-time and get rid of all of our um extra jobs and it was probably the scariest decision but also the best decision we've ever made just going into it full stream ahead, like full. Yeah. Tell me about your setup. So your studio is in your home, but it's also, it's also a shop. Like if I was in Toronto, I could drop by. Is that how it works? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, it's basically like an old Victorian, um, building. Um, so a lot of, um, places, um, in Toronto, they have these sort of, uh, storefronts that are kind of like mom and pop shop ideas. So, um, you know, back 
in the early 1900s, people would have these shops and then they would live above their shop. And so that's really much our setup. Our front door is basically our shop. And then we have, um, we have uh, a studio inside the shop. Like we have two sewing machines. And so my mom works for me full time. And so she's usually in the shop on the sewing machine. So she's there to greet people uh, because we wanted a place to be where people can come in and see how things are made and that we made them. And that there was like this connection to the pieces. It's not like, you know, just something that we had purchased and put out in the shop. They, they actually see that we actually make them. So people really enjoy that element. And also we didn't want the shop to be a place where it was just, you know, someone sitting there waiting for customers. We wanted to kind of keep working and then just, you know, help people as, as they come in. Yeah. And then when you go further back into the, um, the shop, that's the rest of the studio. And then, yeah, we live upstairs um, above the shop. So it's, it's, it's makes it really great. I mean, the community, the commuting is really easy. It's like <laughs> just run down the stairs. And, and are your kids in the shop? Like, are you guys, you know, can I see you making when I walk in? Is that how it is? Yeah, and for sure. You're making yeah. things sometimes too. And yeah, yeah, yeah we're always yeah. in there. Yeah. And then we, and then like you could see me printing and cutting, like it's all visible. Like there's nothing, nothing is hidden. So, um, and sometimes I always get, um, like customers or, or my friends messaging because they've driven by my shop and they see me like really, cause I work really late at night and they see me working and they're just like, they just think it's funny. Like they have to see the light on and they see me sitting there sewing by the sewing machine or something. So, um, I get a lot of them. I kind of feel like you work day and night. That's what I kind of I do. Oh my gosh. I work so much. And like, if I told you what time I go to bed, you'd be like, <laughs> you'd think I was crazy. You but it's just bed, like, I think you go to bed at two o'clock in the morning. No, 4 a.m. <gasps> oh, yeah. I know. Is that crazy? Well, the problem is, you know, you have children and like they occupy, you know, when they get home from school and, you know, you have to like kind of be with them for like a certain period of time and then they go to sleep and then you're like, oh. Now I've got time to work and then you start working and you realize, oh my God, it's like so late because you're, you're getting into what you're doing. And then during the day, you know, I have to like, um, you know, kind of help customers or, you know, ship out orders and do all these different sort of work tasks. So you really don't get a lot of creative time, you know, during the day at all. Are you one of these people who like works on four hours sleep and... Is that all you need? Yeah, it's, it's, it's been okay, but as I get older, it's getting harder, I tell you. Yeah. Are um, you a napper? Do you nap? I, I do sometimes nap. I mean, when we're really busy, I don't, but I do try to nap like an hour. Yeah. Um, like, it's like after, after dinner or like before dinner, like just kind of midday, I do if, I, if I'm really, really tired. But I am, um, and then I don't drink coffee on top of that. Yeah. It was, it was something that I, I remember as a kid, my father being so dependent on coffee, like you couldn't speak to him until he had a cup of coffee. Yeah. And I thought to myself, oh my God, I cannot be like that. Um, and so I'm never going to drink this, you know, I'm, I'm never going to drink coffee. And so I don't know. Yeah. And it's worked because I feel like, um, that's how partly how I cope because I'm not relying on caffeine. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I find like, if you do like, I, like John is so reliant on caffeine and I feel like he gets these like peaks, you know, he gets really super. And then it's like, he crashes like right after that. And so, so you're sewing, you, you make a lot of, you make a lot of really beautiful bags. I have one okay. of these bags and 
and uh, John is doing woodwork. Yes. Right. And your mom is helping, like you'll come up with the design and your mom will help you carry it out or is she designing with you or how's that working? No, she does mostly like, she does a lot of the sewing. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so I, I pretty much like design independently on the bags. I mean, sometimes John will give me some input, um, on some ideas and then all the prints on the bags are all my own drawings. And, um, and then I, I, so I do all the cutting and I screen print them and then my mom sews them up together. And then John helps with like, um, all the leather work on the bags and yeah. helps me cut them and assemble them. Um, and then we have Alex who helps out and she comes in part time and she helps with all the, um, packaging and she's the model in a lot of the photos that I take. And then she also helps with the cutting. So she does a lot of the production and the shipping and things like that. So, so as we're talking about this, people are going to want to go to your website. So how, how do they find you, Arona? Um, it's buko.com. So B-O-O-K-H-O-U.com. Okay. And Buko is, is, a, is a hybrid of John's last name and my last name. So his is Booth and Kunaraj. So okay. uh, we kind of just came up with that right in the beginning. Like we thought that we weren't really quite sure 100% what kind of things we were going to make. So we wanted a name that was a little bit kind of, um, you know, not really uh, um, defined of what we make, but then everybody thinks that we're a bookstore. <laughs> so like yeah. we give yeah. people walk yeah. by, they see the word book, like book, and then I'm just like, yeah. And then we actually get a lot of books sent to us from publishers to review. Things <laughs> like that. So, good. Yes, that wasn't a very smart thing. But anyways, I thought that was funny because people yeah. walk in like, where are all the books? <laughs> so, so um. I, I just wanted to ask you too, okay, the reason why I found out about you because you were really interested in punch needles. So you're doing a lot of things, you know? And and it's and it and you're right, it is like book who. It kind of does sound like a, a, a bookstore when you say it, and you don't but it's intriguing. It's like, what is that? Book who? And then mm -hmm. I saw that you were doing punch needle. I think my friend Megan told me to follow you and I started following you. And I saw you were doing punch needle. So I asked you, I asked you to try regular just regular rug hooking not that punch needle is irregular but do you know what it is a different kind of yeah, yeah. and that's how I found out about you and 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 you um helped me really get my Instagram account going I really appreciated that thank you oh that's great yeah but I, I want to know how how you created Buku on Instagram because you did such an amazing job with that and I think it must really feed your business Yes, for sure. I mean, it. I did get a huge boost when like the punch needle sort of revolution kind of grew. And I definitely got a huge, um, you know, boost from that. Like when I had done the video um, showcasing Amy Oxford's punch needle tool, yes. the video went viral. And I've never had a video go viral on Instagram. It was kind of amazing, but scary at the same time because of just the amount of activity. But the video that I had um, posted, it got over 500,000 views. Wow. And overnight, I think I gained something like 30,000 new followers. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was you. And then the trajectory of that just keep growing and growing. And it was just, um, so I started on Instagram like a, a long time ago. I think it was like, I think it was like 2009 or, t I don't know, it was, it was a while ago. And I, and everything, the growth of the Instagram has been completely organic. And I, 
at first when I started it, I didn't really understand the concept of it. So if you go really far back to the beginning of my photos, like I thought that it was what I was doing in that moment. You know, if I was drinking a cup of tea or if I was shipping yeah. orders, that's the photos that I should take. And then I was taking those and they were like really bad photos because I was just taking it with like, um, my iPod. It wasn't like anything. And then I started seeing other accounts where I'm like, wow, their photos are really nice. Like this is almost like a portfolio. This is not really about, you know, like, so I kind of started to change it and kind of have this shift where I really thought about what I was putting out there um, and trying to keep it as casual as possible and not too contrived or too structured because that could be a bit um, sort of repetitive and boring too. Mm -hmm. And so I started to think about what is it that I like about um, other people's Instagram accounts. And because I'm a maker, I'm interested in their process. I'm interested in, in how they do things and, and not necessarily always seeing the pretty photos. Mm -hmm. And so I try to structure my Instagram where it's very much about education as it is about um, showing a portfolio of things that I do and showing people the process and, and sharing the process for me was very much about the fact that when I was, you know, trying to discover things and just searching for ways to do things was really kind of labor intensive. And so I thought if I had like, you know, videos where people can refer to and trying to keep all the instructions very simple and easy that, people would have an interest in making them too because I love making and I want to share that love of making with other people. And it, and I think that that those sort of elements really resonated with people and the people, and I think that the, the key to kind of growing your Instagram is also knowing who your audience is yeah. and knowing my audience was important for me to know, to, to also um, as an online business. But I, I also felt that, I started to realize that um, like I've been selling online even before Etsy came around, I think it was like 2004. And so I've been selling online for a really long time. And, and one of the things that I discovered was that when people buy things from you, they don't just buy the products, especially when it comes to handmade things, they're buying the story. And so what social media and blogging and all those things that I, I, I'd done before, like I did a lot of blogging before, which I think really helped with the Instagram, was that people were really interested in, in, in your story and they felt like when they were buying something from you, they were buying almost like from a friend. Yeah. Because they, they follow you and they see your, your process, they see how it's made. And, and I think that that connection in a handmade business is really kind of really important. And I think that that's what I've kind of nurtured and, and grown. And I think that that's what has helped me in the long run in trying to, you know, maintain a, a small business. Yeah. I think it is too. I and, think yeah. You're just authentically yourself. I think it, you know, like that's what I feel yeah. when, like you, when, you know, when sometimes when you post on Instagram, you just tell a, a little story, you know, you, well, you told a story about your, uh, about your husband recently, or sometimes you'll tell a story about Piper. And, and I just feel like, I feel like I know you, you know, I feel like I know you. I, I know I don't know you all about you, but I feel like what you're presenting there is really, that's really all, all you are, you know, it's, yeah. it's the truth, you know? And I, and it makes, and that was the other thing. Too, was, 
sorry, the other thing too is that when what, the amount that you share, you know, I didn't want it to be super personal, but there are times in, in our lives where you have to be personal about things just to get a message across. Yeah. But a lot of the times I really want it to be about the craft, about the thing that I'm making, because I feel that people are coming for those things. And I know that if I write a long thing every single day, I think people would just, I would lose them after the first few sentences. Um, so that's why I try to keep things very much about, um, about the work. Do you still blog or do you, uh, or do you, no, no you're done with that. Yeah. It's, it was too much work. I mean, the format of Instagram makes it really easy. Yeah. You know, you post a picture, you post the, the text with the blogging. It's like a bigger story. Yeah. And that's just too much work for the amount of time. I mean, I can't believe it, but in the, in the beginning days, I used to like post three times a day and I still can't believe I did that. I would do something in the morning, the afternoon and the evening. And, um, and that was just way too much. So I tried to just post once a day. And then just recently I decided to take, cause I think it's a lot to ask of somebody to post every single day, like seven days a week. That's, that's a lot of work. So I just, I started taking Sundays off. Yeah. And, and I figured, I think it's okay <laughs> to take a day off. I don't think people are going to like, okay. yeah, it is okay. I think it's fine. You just have to find, you have to find, I think what the thing I've always found, like I've had a small business for a long time and I raised my children with a small business. And I remember there was a time when I was open. I always say this, like when I feel critical of the way somebody's doing something, I, I remind myself I was open Wednesday to Saturday from 10 until three. <laughs> You know, <laughs> those were my hours because I wanted to be home when my kids came home from school. And, you know, like, I think you have to, when you have a small business, I feel like you have to build it around your life and you build your life around it too. But building it around your life is what makes it really sustainable in the long time, in the long, in the long run. Yeah. And I find that Sundays is a good day for me because, you know, it's usually like um, my day off and it's the day that you know, the kids aren't in school and, you know, the shops aren't open and it's a really good day to kind of regroup. And I think you need a day of regrouping like that. I, I think it's hard to try to be on every single day, you know? Yeah. Um, I want to ask you too, like about, like how much, how much do you use your phone? Um, you know, I just recently got a phone like this past year. Yeah. Can you believe that? Well, well because how are you doing it all? I was doing it with an iPod. Oh, yeah, really? Why not? Yeah, because an iPod is essentially like a it phone. With a phone, phone, right? It's just that you don't talk. Yeah, and so I got a phone because, like, my son, you know, he's become a teenager, and the only thing he really wanted was a phone so he can kind of connect with his friends. And yeah. so I thought, well, it doesn't make sense if he has a phone, if, I, if he can't reach me. Because yeah. um, we just use the landline in the shop. Yeah. And so. But your pictures are so good. No, so I take so I take it with a real camera. Okay, okay. And then yeah. I and then I airdrop it onto the device. That makes and sense. And then I post it. Yeah. And so I actually um, on Instagram you could save posts. Yep. So on a regular basis, I have about twelve posts mm -hmm. that I if I have like a a, a week where, where you know I'm too busy or there's like you know. I don't have much that I can share. I can go and look at some of those banked photos and that's why it's, I'm able to kind of keep it consistent. Yeah. Um, and because a lot of the times, like if I'm working with, um, 
you know, another business, like they want photos or things posted a certain time. And so you're trying to balance all of those things. Yeah. But yeah, I take it with a real camera. And the only reason why I do that, um, I don't do that when I, when I go on vacation or if I'm away from the studio, I always take it with the phone. Um, because the phone these days, the camera is amazing. The camera like, is amazing now. Yeah, like the portrait mode. It's like, it looks like a, a DSLR photo. Beautiful. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, so I think that the key is actually not the photo taken, taking. The key is actually your editing. Okay. The editing is everything. So I use a couple of editing apps. I use um, um, VSCoCam, uh, which is my favorite one that I have used forever. And then the other one that I use, um, I use Lightroom. Right. Which is a very great app on um, on your phone, and then a new one that I just started using, which I really like. It's called Afterlight, and okay. Afterlight is is a really good one, and they have some really good um, filters on there. And a lot of the times when I use filters, it's more to kind of enhance the photo, but not to change it too much. Like you don't want to alter it too much. And so, and I'm always playing around with sort of like the brightness and the contrast and the coloring. Um, so if you saw my photos before I edited them, they're very like simple. Okay. <laughs> like it's, there's yeah. not much to them. Um, so do you use the same, when you're editing them, do you use the same, um, the same edits like consistently so that you yes. all have the same feeling? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that's how you kind of have a, a consistent looking feed. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the other thing that I do, and it's sometimes I, I get really good at it if I'm, if I don't have such a busy week, but some of the things that I try to do, if you ever, if you ever look at my feed, I try to keep colors consistent. So what I do is, for example, if there was a photo that I took and there was like some strong blues in some of the, um, pieces that I was working on yeah. the next photo, I would try to make sure there was some blue element in it. Or yeah, vice versa, right. if there's like a rest color. Great on your, I know, looks great on your feed, you mean? Yeah, so that way it kind of has this um, array of color because there's some feeds that I've seen where it's like very whitish mm -hmm. and I just feel yeah. like that's just, like you can't focus on anything because yeah. everything is so neutral. Yeah. And so I always try to have like pops of color. So you know what I'm hearing you say, like I'm hearing you say, and what I think is true is that your, your Instagram is kind of like a part of your artwork too. It's just like exactly another, yeah. another element of your art. And the thing that I always tell people is, you know, when they ask, you know, how do you have sort of like a, a good um, Instagram? And I say to them, you have to really enjoy it. Like you have to want to do it. You can't feel like you um, have to do it. You have to want to do it. Yeah. And and I really enjoy taking pictures and I enjoy looking at light and, and how to compose an image. And so all those elements are just things that I'm, 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 you know, naturally interested in. Yeah. And so I think that that kind of comes through because it feels, it doesn't feel like work to me. Yeah. You're compelled yeah. to do it. Yeah. Just like, just like to make something else. It's just like making something else. I feel that mm -hmm. way about my physical studio. Like I, I'm compelled to make it feel and look a certain way. It isn't like yeah. work for me. I can just move things around in there all day, you know? Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think it's, I think it is true that you got to really, you got to really want to do it. Now, yeah. what, got, what, how did you find Punch Needle? How, how did you get involved in Punch Needle? Well, it was, it was, it kind of all started, like I was having this conversation with a friend of mine um, and we were talking one day about how cool it would be to have our images made into rugs. Um, and then she had taken a trip to New York 
and she went to Pearl Soho, which is like this great haberdashing yeah. shop. And she bought Amy Oxford's punch needle and she brought it back to me. And, and inside the box, it just said, go make a rug. Cause she wasn't, I wasn't there when she dropped it off. And so for a while I actually didn't do anything with it. Cause I was just like, not sure what to do with it. And then one day I started looking at Amy's YouTube videos, which are really great. And then I just, I just started. And what I liked about it, cause I do a lot of embroidery and what I liked about it was that, um, it was really immediate. Like there wasn't such a huge learning curve and it kind of had that, the one side had that look of embroidery that I really liked. Yeah. And so it was, it was kind of, and it was kind of addictive. Like you just sat there and it was like very relaxing and, and, um, you know, I do a lot of textiles, but there's some textiles that I just can't do because like I just lose patience. And one of them was like knitting and even weaving, I really enjoy weaving, but sometimes I just, I feel like it's too slow. And so even though punch needle and hooking is a slow craft, there's something about it that was still quicker. Yeah, I know. A lot of other ones that kind of keeps you sort of interested. And then, um, and I just love, you know, the texture and, and the material being able to use the yarn. Um, so there was a lot of things that really kind of drew me. And a lot of the times, like my bags and my work, the colors are quite neutral because, you know, they're bags, people have to wear them, so they're not wearing super colorful things. Yeah. And I felt like um, the punch needle was allowing me to play with color in ways that were just not part of my everyday. And so that was really exciting. So I, I you know, I do a lot of watercolor paintings, and it was a way of taking those paintings and, and bringing them into life in, in a textile form. And it's, and I always describe it as like, you know, coloring with yarn. Yeah, it essentially. is. Essentially. Yeah, it is. It's kind of like it's yeah. painting with yarn. It's coloring with yarn. It absolutely is. And so you wrote a book. Uh, who's the publisher of your book? And what's the name of it? Just so we know. Um, Cadrill. Um, and their publisher, they do a lot of craft books and they're based in London. Um, and the book is called Punch Needle. Okay. And, and, uh, and you're working on a new book, aren't you? Yeah. I am. Yeah. Um, it's all kind of secretive. I actually probably shouldn't have said anything, but anyways, cat's out of the bag. But um, I am. I'm working on another one, um, and it's due the end of this month. So I'm really excited about that. Great. And um, and it's with the same publisher. Good. And is and is um, as well, or are we allowed to say? Sorry? Is it on Punch Needle as well? No, it's not on Punch Needle. It's on something completely different. Okay. Um, but I probably should keep that secret. Yeah, we'll keep that secret. Um, Absolutely. Because they, they like to keep things hush-hush. Oh, it's sorry. not me. It's them. <laughs> I remember I was working on the punch sheet of book for like over a year before I could even say that I was working on it. It was just like, it was painful because I was like, I'm not very good with secrets. Um, I just like, I just want to share, share, share. So it's really hard. Um, but what I, what I, what I was um, really, what I really liked about the working with the punch sheet of was trying making different, like I'm really into making products. And so oh. the book, um, the punch needle book is very much about exploring, um, the different things that you can make yeah. with the technique, you know, sort of other than, um, a rug. And so that was kind of fun. And actually the rug in the book was using your materials and I did do it with hooking. It's oh. all hooked. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad to hear that. Oh, that's so nice. I haven't seen your book yet, so I'll order it right after this call. 
You don't, oh, you haven't seen it? I'll have to send you a copy. Oh, you don't have to send me a copy. I'll order it. I like, I like, I, I want to order it. I'm really happy to. Um, so I will do that for sure. Um, you know but what? Yeah, but the rug, but the rug, the biggest piece in there is it's done with a lot of the materials from your studio and oh. it was all done with hooking. So. Oh, I think it's great. It was um, like the, it was, yeah, it was the most labor intensive piece. And I, I think there's a few tiers in between. <laughs> It is, it is more labor intensive. There's no doubt about it. The way that I hook and punch needle, it, it really is. But you know, there's something about punch needle that I just can't, I can't catch on to. I can't catch on to that, to that smoothness. I was trying to teach the UPS guy one, one day how to do it. And it was like, I just can't, it's like going all the way down and I have to be so consistent and I'm so inconsistent in my hook. Like my, all my loops are different heights. And so I find it really hard. I find punch needle really difficult. Well, that's what I loved about but hooking the rug was that I was able to use like some of the chunkier yarns that I had and then, and the, and the play of color, like it was very much like almost like painting, like, you know, like you were just adding all these different colors and, and layering and things like that. And because a lot of the times when you're working with a punch needle piece, you don't really see what you're doing. No, you don't. You're working from the back. Yeah. you're working. So a lot of the times the back, becomes my finished piece because that's the part that I'm seeing mostly um yeah. and that's the part you like is like the part that looks like the embroidery right yes yes I noticed that yeah mm -hmm. I like it that I like it that you like that part it's just sort mm -hmm. of makes your work more interesting and, and I try to I try to do both like I mean the 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 piece on the cover of the book is using the loop pile side mm -hmm. um, but I was using such a fine needle it's really hard to tell unless you really look at it but I do try to kind of um, like in the book there is both you know and I, I tend to use the pile side for more of the abstract uh, pieces because I find like it's with with the loop pile it's hard to get a very defined um, you know like a defined uh, uh, details like distinct details yeah. and so yeah I just want to ask you a couple more questions one of the things I want to ask you is about your sensibility right you have a very defined sensibility like if I I almost wouldn't I'd almost know it was you you have a very distinct style so I would know it was you, whether it was a punch needle or whether it was a piece of fabric or whatever. So what do you think are the main influences on that sensibility? Like what, what's helped you define your style? I think, um, I mean, that's a really hard question to answer um, because I feel like what I do, it's sort of, um, it's so intuitive. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like it's not something that I, I am, I'm trying to, to do, like to, um, to, to do uh, specifically um, I feel like when it comes to style and and your design I think it has to come down to what your interests are yeah and I think your interests become a very strong focal point in like how you choose colors you know the clothes you wear and like how you even furnish your house like all those different style elements it's all part of who you are yeah. and I think that that's why those pieces are are, you can really um, tell their mind because I put so much of myself into it so that you, it's just, it's just part of who I am. I mean, I don't know if I'm answering that correctly. You are or, answering it beautifully, oh. I think. Um, so it's, it's, so it's just, so when you, so I don't set out a goal to, to try to, to create things that are 
a certain way. They just, that's just how, like when I draw, they just come out that way. And the colors I choose, I, I have a very specific palette that I like because that's just what I like. I don't, you know, I don't use a lot of really bright, strong colors because that's just not something that I feel comfortable with. I like things that are more muted. Um, so I think it just kind of comes out that way. And, um, and it's just, I think just years of doing this, I just become very consistent with it. And so yeah. it becomes yeah. a, a distinct looking style. Um, but yeah, that's how I would answer that question. That's a great answer. It's an, it's an interesting answer. Um, mm -hmm. I, uh, the, uh, the other question I wanted to ask you is what's it like working with your mother every day? <laughs> it's actually really good when, 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 you know, it's the hard part with working your mother is, is when she tries to treat you like the child, you know, her child, not, not the boss. Right. So there's that kind of conflict sometimes, but you yeah. know, I completely respect what she does. I mean, when, when she first came to Canada, she worked at Tip Top Tailors as a, as a seamstress. And so she has a really uh, good, strong sewing background. And um, she lived um, in France for the longest time. And then she came back here and she's still young, you know, she's in her 60s. Mm -hmm. And so she was able to kind of still be working. And, and I think she enjoys it because, you know, it gives her a little bit of a, like a, like a social activity to do rather than doing something at home. So I think it, it's, I think she enjoys it. And, um, you know, she's used to working in that way, like in production sewing. So it's, it's like, sometimes she's way too fast because I'd be like, Oh my gosh, I have to cut and print more things. And, um, like I'll turn around and she'll have things done and way fast. She's way faster than me. So, <laughs> yeah, really quick. so she's very, she's invaluable in business for sure. Like, yeah, I, sounds like a big part of it. So it's I'm so fortunate to have you built, you know, like your kids are there and she's there and, and you're all making and you're all like, it's a, yeah, it's she, a, she, takes, she takes Piper. Yeah. And she takes, she takes Piper to school. Yeah. Um, cause she gets up earlier than us. So she comes and she takes um, Piper to school. She only lives a couple of blocks away. Yeah. And, and then when we're super busy, she'll make sure to like make us dinner and like, that way we can just keep working and then she has like the food there and so it's it's more than just her working here it's a complete support system and and i'm just really really fortunate to have her so yeah you are you're good to each other it's a really important thing well i really love talking to you it was fun so this will be on this will be on uh soon and i'm just really really happy to have gotten to know you a little better Thank you. Yes, and I look forward to seeing you. Hopefully, with everything, it goes well. We'll get to see each other this I summer. So I hope so, too. Yeah. Everything goes good. Okay. And uh, so just tell everybody where they can find you. Um, at buko.com, and it's B-O-O-K-H-O-U, and my Instagram is the same. And, uh, and thank you so much for having me, Deanne. It was nice thank chatting with you. Thanks, Aruna. This is Deanne Fitzpatrick. Our podcast is Create Beauty Every Day, and you can find us at hookingrugs.com. Thank you, Aruna. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.